If any of you visited my parents' old house on 625 Park Avenue and were in the summertime, you probably were invited uh, to take a trip out on my parents' pontoon boat. How many of you ever experienced going out on my parents' pontoon boat at least once? I see several hands going up. I can probably uh, almost guarantee that if you ever had that experience of going out on my parents' pontoon boat, the boat probably didn't start the first time. Uh, if you remember anything about my, my parents' pontoon boat, that thing was just, it, and it happened across multiple boats. It, it wasn't like it was just one boat. It, it seemed that if Roger J. Magnuson owned a pontoon boat, it would not start well. It was just, that was just an absolute given. And it was the cause of such frustration for my dear father. He would go down there, it's a new battery too, I just, I don't understand. It was always, of course, the motor or the mechanism and never the owner and operator. I know that is, we all can agree on that, um, but that poor boat, I mean, it would, the key would turn, I mean, you know that sound of a, of a battery that just says, not today, Buster, not today. Well, thankfully, there would be times where Jerry Kahn would be over or some very mechanically oriented person, and we'd figure that out just fine. And eventually, it seemed like almost always the boat did end up starting. It was just really cranky about it. Now, you probably all have been in circumstances where you have seen a battery that just doesn't want to start. You know that sound of it being cranked up. And I start here tonight because I think one of the things most plaguing our modern church life and ministry are batteries that aren't turning over very well. I saw a study um, by a well-known uh, pollster survey group that said that as of 2021, in that year, 2021, that approaching 40% of pastors around the country contemplated quitting full-time ministry in that year alone. 2021, approaching 40%. Now, we're not just talking evangelical or Bible-believing or born-again pastors. We're just talking about all pastors, and the, uh, I, if, if I'm recalling, the number was, was smaller in evangelical churches, but even, if I'm recalling correctly, about a third of pastors from non-mainline denominations were contemplating quitting full-time ministry. And the reasons cited included stress, um, political, the political worlds and winds that are swirling in our world and in our churches, the effect on their families, just too much of a burden, too heavy, of responsibility. And, I mean, if you think about that, four in ten, nearly four in ten pastors thinking, I'm done. It's, the battery is going, but I'm not just talking about pastors. Uh, I, I think the pandemic, in some ways, at least in my own life and in my own family, brought some grounding. I think one of the things I'm most grateful for in the pandemic in my own life is some things that we put in place, some foundations we put in place regarding our marriage and our children and our family life together that have been, to the, to the general, very positive for us as, as a Magnuson family, my family. And, and yet I think all of us know that also there have been challenges, right, in returning from 
from the pandemic, in how our life and our ministry and our church shapes together. And, and all of us probably at some level know what it is to feel like your battery is not turning over. It's not turning over well. It's not turning over in your daily Bible reading, in your time with the Lord, in your commitment to prayer, in your commitment to the life of the church together toward maybe ministry or whether that's the bus ministry or Sunday school ministry, whether that's prayer meeting on Wednesday evening or, or evening service together. It feels like there are times when the battery is just sluggish and the, 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 the motor just doesn't want to turn over. What are we feeling? Well, to our, to our modern word, we'd say we're feeling burnout. We're feeling burned out. We're feeling burned out sometimes of our family relationships and we're feeling burned out of our church ministry and we're feeling burned out of our own personal spiritual commitments to the Lord. And we start looking around and we're saying, what's going on? I just don't feel it right now. And if I asked you to raise your hands, probably almost every single person in here would say at some point or another or perhaps right now, that's what I felt. I have felt burned out. The battery is just not cranking. Okay, so my question tonight, if this is just an exceptionally common thing, then what are we going to do about it? What are we going to be doing about it when either we're feeling burnout now or we suspect we may be feeling it in the future? How am I going to approach my independent, individual spiritual commitments, my family life, my family, if, particularly if I'm parents, my, my family spiritual commitments? our church commitments, our gospel and evangelistic commitments, how are we going to do this when the battery does not seem to have enough juice to turn it over? Well, tonight we're going to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and the experience, the personal testimony of a man named Paul. Paul was a man who I suspect, I don't, can't say this for certain, of course, I don't know that there is a Christian in the life of the New Testament church other than, of course, the head of the church, Jesus Christ, who has done more to influence for people for the gospel than the Apostle Paul. I'm not sure there is a man, when you look at his own missionary commitments and, as well, his epistles that he wrote. But there are very few people in the history of the church who suffered more than the Apostle Paul did for the commitments and the fruit that he left behind. And that's why we should be very uh, interested when we look at this subject of burnout, that we look at Paul's own testimony. He says here in verse 16, he says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. He says, we faint not. That word faint not has the idea of losing heart. Or you'd say it this way, a drained battery. Our batteries aren't drained. Our gas tank isn't empty. We are not turning over in order to continue the ministry and the mission that God has given us. We faint not. Why? He says, our outward man is perishing. But the inward man is renewed day by day. One of my very good pastor friends, someone who has dealt with his own personal burnout and his own personal sense of the batteries going, he told me once what a, a new phrase he has adopted. He says, he says, you can't burn out what is renewed day by day. 
you can't burn out what is renewed day by day. The title of the message this evening is simply this, Renewed Day by Day. Renewed Day by Day. And I want to give a very practical, but I hope very textual, biblical answer tonight to the question, what do we do about my burnout? What do, what do I do when I'm not feeling the battery cranking in the individual ministry and commitments that God has given me to do in my life? I want to look at three areas, as we most often do here, about this issue of being renewed. And first of all, I want to suggest to you that from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, your renewal is mandatory. Your renewal is mandatory. Now, what does it mean to renew something? Every year in the fall, around this time, you get a notice from the Minnesota Department of Transportation if you own a car. And what does the Minnesota Department of Transportation tell you? It is time to renew your tabs. And you have to write the check or make the credit card payment online, and they're going to mail you tabs. And what do those tabs say? They say that you are being renewed. You have a new, a brand new registration to drive around your car. You have made your tabs new again. And this is the idea of what Paul is saying here in the Greek. He is saying, I am being renewed. I am being made new. I am being renovated, if you will, day by day. Now, notice a couple things about this. First of all, why? Why do you and I need to be renewed? Well, the answer is obvious, isn't it? Because our batteries naturally get drained. That's why. We're like that old pontoon boat at the end of the dock on 625 Park Avenue. Unless we get renewed, our battery's going to drain. And we're going to wake up one morning and we're going to say, you know, I don't, have the same, I don't have the same motivation like I used to, to read the scripture or get on my knees and pray. I don't have the same motivation to seek the, the, the evangelization of the lost. I don't have the same motivation to teach my children and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Our batteries get drained. Why? You could, you could say it a, a million reasons. In Paul's case, it would have been extensive persecution. In others' case, it is the creeping love of the world. Think about Demas. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. You remember what, what uh, uh, Jesus needed to say to the church at Ephesus in, Ro in, in Revelation chapter 2? I have something against you. Oh, you are doing good. The car still is rolling fine. But watch out, because you have left your first love. You've left your first love. Your battery, for me, is not turning over in the same way. Again, there could be a million different things, but let's just suffice it to say this. When the pressures of life squeeze on you, a very natural response is you're going to get drained. You are, in contemporary parlance, you're going to get burned out. And that's why, notice, he says, we, our, our outward man is perishing. Now, what does he mean by that? The word perish here literally means to waste away, to decay. 
And that's what Paul's saying. I mean, this was a guy who was traveling around by foot all over the Roman Empire preaching the gospel, and he knew what he was saying when he said, this body is decaying. It's wasting away. Now, I'm not saying this, pointing at any one of you in particular, I promise, but you're decaying. And I'm decaying. It's just true. We wake up in the mirror, and we look in the mirror, and we say, I'm not the guy I used to be. I'm not the person I used to be. We see our body is dying from the moment it's born. We are in the process of dying. And so what Paul is saying here, just as a physical matter, is true as well for those of us who have particular spiritual commitments. Waking up in the morning, half an hour earlier, whatever time we have to do our, our, our quiet time with the Lord. Maybe staying up a little bit late, as I have been known to do, to prepare a sermon on Sunday morning. Sometimes sacrificing our Saturday morning to go out on bus visitation. These things are tiring. They're, they are things that, physically speaking, have an effect on us. And therefore, with our outer man being drained, we've got to make sure that our batteries, our inner spiritual batteries, are being recharged. Notice, secondly, when. When do you need to be renewed? What does Paul say? Our inner man is renewed when? Every day. Every day. Can I just pause here, friends, for a second? Do you know the answer to burnout for you and, and for me is to realize that every day I need to be renewed? Every, uh, every day I need a fresh charge? You know, I saw this when I traveled for an anniversary trip with my, my brother and sister-in-law, and we rented a car, and the car we rented was uh, a Tesla. And I'd never, I'd never driven one of these electric vehicles before. And it was the wildest thing to be driving through the mountains of, uh, you know, the, 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 the mountainous area of, of Arizona and be looking at the battery. How are we doing? How are we? Uh oh, it's down to 33%. How much longer do we have? It was, it was driving me nuts. It was, it was messing with my mind a little bit. But what's the deal with the Tesla? You better plug it in. You better make sure you've got a charge before you go for any particular length, especially if you're going a significant distance. And we as Christians, we need to come into this idea. When do you need to get renewed? Every day. You need to get charged up if you're going to avoid this uh, battery drain, this kind of burnout. He says we are renewed day by day. Now how? How? How do we get renewed? Well, I just want you to, to, to point out something to you. We'll look at this in more detail. The way that I would say it from this passage is this. You have to participate with the Spirit. You have to participate with the Spirit of God. Now, you say, what do you mean? Well, who's the one renewing you, actually? Who's making you mount up with wings as eagles to, to walk and not faint, to, to walk and not be worried, to run and not faint? Who's the one who's actually doing it? What's well, the Spirit of God in you? But what's your job? Your job is to make sure you're plugged in. Your job is to make sure you're plugged into the Spirit's ministry. Who's the one who's charging the battery? The Spirit of God. He's the one who's providing the power. What's your job? Are you connected? Are you plugged in? You say, well, how do you get plugged in? Go with me to verse 18, and I hope this will become more clear as, as we look at it in the rest of this message. Look at verse 18. He says, while we look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
Now notice what he's saying here. He's saying, Paul, I'm getting recharged every day because I'm not looking at the temporal things that I can see. I'm looking at the eternal things that I can't see. I'm getting renewed day by day. You see that connection there? Now, Paul has this, this, this wonderful, this wonderful way of speaking that just makes it seem so obvious, right? Well, look at the things that are unseen, not, not the things that are seen. I mean, could it, anything be easier? Well, you and I know the answer to that question. That's pretty challenging. Why? Well, it's even here in the Word when he says, while we look not. That word has the idea of focusing on, of, 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 cons of coming into. It's, it's not like you're just, oh, taking a glance at something. It's like you're focused on. I, I think of Hebrews chapter 12 when, when the author of Hebrews talking about the race of life says, looking unto Jesus, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. In other words, if you want to connect into what the Spirit is doing to recharge your batteries, it's going to take your focus. It's not going to be accidental. It's not going to be happenstantial. It's not just going to be waking up in the morning and reading five minutes of your Bible reading and saying, sweet, I'm looking at the things that are unseen now. No, it's throughout your day, focusing your mind, focusing your attention on unseen eternal things and realities and taking your eyes off of seen temporal realities. Does that make sense? That's the picture. That's what Paul's saying. That is what our practice is. That is what our perspective is. Do you know this is true for anything you do, no matter spiritual or entirely temporal? I've talked before about a swimmer, Caleb Dressel, one of the most decorated Olympic swimmers that the U.S. has ever seen. And I've talked about when I, I came across his workout regime, his workout regime to be an Olympic-level swimmer. And listen to what Caleb Dressel says. This is a story I, I took about from him. On a typical day, he wakes up, has a quick snack, and is at the gym by 7 a.m. for a two-hour wait session. Then he hits the pool for a two-hour workout. I don't know about you. After about one lap in the pool, I'm ready to get out. I'm exhausted. We're talking about a two-hour workout in the pool. After a break for lunch, work time, and maybe a nap, he's back in the water at 5.30 p.m. for another swim. I mean, this is a guy who's devoted his entire life to swimming. And listen to what he says. Sometimes you lose a little bit of motivation. Your batteries get drained. You feel a little burned out. But then listen to what he says. But at the, sometimes I break down a little bit, but at the end of the day, I know what my goals are, and I know I have to stay focused. What's his goal? His goal is winning a gold medal. When? Today? No. Maybe three years from now. That's his goal. He can't see it. That's the unseen thing that is in the future that is not related to today. Calvin Todd's message this morning, wasn't that terrific? On looking not just simply at, at the things that are squarely in front of us today, but looking to eternal things in the future. That's the idea. Caleb Dressel is looking three years out in the future, and it's causing him to get up in the morning and swim for hours on end and push his body to his limits. Why? Because he is looking at something different than what you and I 
are looking at when we choose to get up in the morning. Okay, that's the picture. Your renewal is mandatory. It is absolutely essential day by day if you're not going to get burned out. Secondly, I want to suggest that from 2 Corinthians 4, you need to understand that your labor is meaningful. Your labor is meaningful. You see, where do you get this from? Well, I just want to break down the text here, and I'm, I know this gets a little bit academic. I know this gets a little bit dry, perhaps, but it's necessary. This is how we have to read the Bible. This is how we have to glean insight from the Bible, by doing this work. So if you've got your Bible, I just want you to open it with me, and we're just going to spend a little bit of time trying to dig into the text and understand really what it says. Start in verse 15, 16, I'm sorry. Verse 16. Notice what he says here. The very first phrase. For which cause we faint not. He says, how do I not get burned out? Well, he just said, for which cause? For which cause? Well, you've got to go back. And here's what I want to do. We're going to look tonight at the two terminals of your spiritual battery. The two terminals of your spiritual battery, at least in the 2 Corinthians 4 sense. There's one positive terminal, and there's one negative terminal, right? Just like on your normal battery. We're going to look at both of those terminals. What's, if, if you will, the positive terminal? Well, look at it right here. For which cause we faint not? Well, what cause? Well, you've got to go back. Look at verse 15. For all things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. You see that text now? That's what he's saying. Why do we not faint? Because of something that has just come before it. Notice a couple things that are driving Paul to not faint. First of all, go back to verse number um, verse number, let's look back at verse number 8. He has just said that the, the glory of God that is in them is in earthen vessels. This knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ, that treasure is in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Now look at what he starts talking about himself. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. What an incredible statement. Here's what he's saying. We're openly and obviously dying. He said, that's what's going on. We're persecuted. We're hated. We're afflicted. We're cast around. We're defamed. We're maligned. We're made fun of. We're openly like dead men walking in this world. And do you know what Paul says? That's fine by me. Because do you know what's being manifested in the meantime? Do you know what's being seen? And what's being seen is not a dead man walking. What's being seen is a live Jesus. You see, that's what he's saying. That the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. You know, one thing that Paul saw very clearly in his labor was that Christ was being manifested. Christ was being seen. Christ was the one that was being 
lifted up. As he has said earlier in this chapter, he said, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. That's what we do. We preach Christ. So one way that we know that whatever God has called us to is meaningful is because God wants to make Jesus manifested in your life. He wants everyone in your life to look at you and see Jesus. And that is, makes it incredibly meaningful. But keep on going, will you? Notice what he says in verse 13. He said, we, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. He's saying, we are compelled to speak because we believe something to be true and it causes us to speak. What does it cause them to speak? Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up all us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. So he says, what do I know? What do I believe? I believe that I have an eternal destiny. And this eternal destiny is connected to my ministry to you. He's going to raise up us uh, uh, us up together with you, Corinthians. There's an eternity that we are working for. Now keep on going. Look at verse 15. For all things are for your sakes. What an amazing thing to say for the Corinthians. Everything I'm going through is for what? My sake? Uh-uh. Your sake. Wow. Now listen to this. We'll have to break this down that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. Now, there are some things we probably don't just naturally understand about that. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, everything is for your sake, so that as the grace of God spreads among you, you are going to thank God for it. As you experience God's grace from my ministry and the salvation of your soul and the forgiveness of your sin and the joy of the Holy Spirit in your life and the peace of God ruling in your hearts, as you experience that grace, you are going to respond with thanksgiving and it's going to be to whose glory? It's going to redound or it's going to return to abound to whose glory? Mine? Paul's? No, to the glory of God. So what is Paul saying? Everything that I'm doing, that I'm suffering for, that I'm working toward, has an incredible purpose that you are going to be transformed by the grace of God and that as a result of that, God is going to get the glory and that's what I want above all things. That's what I want. I want the glory of God to be revealed. Now, Paul could just embrace this perspective by faith to say, what I'm doing is incredibly meaningful. Now, 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 I pause here for just a moment because what might be developing in your mind is an objection. Okay, that's great, Peter, but I'm no Apostle Paul. I don't have his ministry. I don't have something so obviously consequential. Look at me. I'm stuck at home. Look at me. I'm grinding away in a secular workplace. Look at me. I'm not in formal ministry. Look at me. My circle of ministry is extremely small. How can you say that what I'm doing is meaningful? Well, let me ask you this question, friend. Does God intend you in your calling to manifest Christ in your daily life? D does he intend you to do that? Yes. Yes, Christ in us, the hope of glory. 
the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Jesus intends for his life to be manifested in you no matter how inconsequential it seems, and therefore your life is meaningful. Your calling is meaningful if Christ will be magnified in it. But more than that, let me ask you this. Does God intend for your calling to lead to his glory, whatever it is? Does he intend for your calling to be used to influence others for Jesus Christ? Yes. To be a channel of his grace to a needy world? Yes. Let your light so shine before men, Jesus says, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You say, I'm stuck in a dead-end job. Then be salt and light there. And men may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You say, you don't understand. You don't understand how empty and how dead-end much of what my daily duties are. No. No, I maybe don't, but I do know this. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. This idea came to mind of Ephesians chapter 4, what Paul uh, is giving this instruction to people to work. Listen to this in verse, in verse 28 of chapter 4. He said, let him that stole steal no more. Okay, don't be a thief. I get it. But look what he says. But rather, let him labor. Let him work. Working with his hands the thing which is good. Why? That he may have to give to him that needs. Paul just doesn't say, get a job so you can support your family. Oh, you should support your family. Why should you get a job? So you can support others. So that you, by your good works, can glorify your Father which is in heaven. You see, every single job, every single calling, every single duty you have in your daily life is an opportunity to render glory to God. And that makes it meaningful. That makes it of eternal consequence, no matter what the world thinks about it, no matter what your neighbors think about it, no matter what the devil even wants to tell you about it sometimes. You're not doing anything. You don't have much meaningful, uh, 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 you don't have much significance in this world. Nonsense. If God gave it to you, and it's to be used for his glory, then it has eternal significance for the cause of Christ. Your labor is meaningful. And we should resist the devil's temptation to tell us anything different. And I just would like us to pause for just one moment here and just allow the Spirit of God to repeat to ourselves, to our own hearts tonight, these words, my duties are meaningful. If you could just allow that to sink in. My duties tomorrow are eternally meaningful. Yes. Your job. Yes, your family life. Yes, your marriage. Yes, your friendships in your community and with your neighborhood. Yes, every single one of your gospel duties, every single thing in your day-to-day -day life, if it can give glory to God, has meaning, has eternal significance. Your labor is meaningful. And friends, once you re receive that word, You've just plugged into one of the Spirit's terminals to charge your battery. What you do on Saturday mornings is eternally meaningful. What you do 
at prayer meeting on Wednesday evenings or what you do in your time devoted to your wife and to your marriage and to your calling, to your family and to your children, to bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord with consistent devotions, studying the Bible together with your children, teaching them the Word of God. That is eternally significant and we must believe it as Paul did. Your labor is meaningful. But what's the other terminal? Your labor is meaningful. Thirdly, your difficulty is momentary. Your difficulty is momentary. Notice what he says. For which cause we faint not. What cause? Because everything that Paul was doing in his ministry was intended to to abound to God's glory. So it had incredible eternal significance. For that cause, we don't faint. We don't lose heart. Our batteries don't get drained. What else? Notice what he says next. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Why? Look at verse 17. For because our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. You see what he's saying there? His own difficulty was light and it was momentary. It was only for a moment. Now let's try to break this down for a little bit. Is Paul unique here? Well, compared to us, friends, probably. (laughs) Probably. Can I read you what Paul suffered as a part of his ministry? Here's what he says in the same book in chapter 11. He says, Are they ministers of Christ? speaking of these people who were challenging his authority. He says, I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes, that that is beatings, more abundant. I'm sorry, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft or often. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Beaten beaten with whips. Thrice or three times was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice or three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in in the water, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. He said, the burdens that I experience as a minister of Christ are not just in these physical sufferings, but in the spiritual care that I exhibit to all the churches. Could any of us listen to what Paul went through and say, Paul, that sounds like some light affliction in terms of what I'm going through. I don't mean to minimize in any way the sufferings and the trials and the tribulations that that we are a part of. But when you compare them to what the Apostle Paul went through or what other Christians have gone through, we realize how privileged we have it here in this country. How prosperous we have it in so many things. 
And here Paul is testifying to the affliction that he is experiencing. And he looks at this and he says, it's light affliction. And it's only for a moment. Paul's head was cut off, we believe, on a Roman executioner's block. His suffering only was momentary. Why? Why was it momentary? Because it was only for this life. And it was only for this life, and it is momentary when it's compared to eternity. You probably have all heard the illustration, but it's still such a good one. I remember when we, when we do EE, uh, e, we were trained in EE e presentations. We'd give the example of someone in New York across the entire uh, continental United States walking all the way to the beaches of Los Angeles and picking one grain of sand and walking all the way back and depositing it in New York and walking back to the beach of Los Angeles weeks upon weeks, taking one more grain of sand and walking all the way back and dropping it in New York. Friends, do you know by the time that that person had, had picked up every single grain of sand on that sandy Los Angeles beach, eternity would hardly have begun. Forever. Whatever we experience here, whatever suffering we have to face in this life for one year or five years or ten years or twenty or even sixty or eighty, it's momentary. It's a momentary affliction. And we must come in to that same kinds. This might be the negative terminal, not the positive terminal. This is the negative terminal on the battery. But we realize in context of what our suffering actually is. Paul says it's momentary. It is just a moment. And what does he also say? He says it's light. Now how can he say, how could Paul say everything he went through for the cause of Christ was a light affliction, a light bit of suffering? Well, notice why. Because he says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. He says, when I compare what I'm suffering today, however brutal it is, when I compare it to the weight of glory that is available to me eternally, the crown of righteousness that God has for everyone who loves Him, the, the, the great reward that I am waiting for when my work is tested by fire and proven to be pure, built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, He says that affliction just goes up in the balance. It is nothing. It is incredibly light. It works for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What does Paul say in Romans chapter 8? The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared. They are not, you cannot even compare the worst kind of suffering in this life to the eternal glory that awaits the people of God forever. Do you see why Paul looks at everything that he was going through that would cause him to be burned out? Oh, room. I don't know that I could go visit the church of Ephesus one more time. I don't know that I can discipline these Corinthians again. They're simply hopeless. I give up. I'm tired. I'm, I'm fed up. Paul says, no. No, no. 
When I look at all the difficulty and suffering I'm going through, and then I look ahead with the eyes of faith to what God has prepared for them that love him, he said, it's a far more exceeding. It's not even worthy to be compared with the weight of glory that we are waiting for. You know, friends, when we, when we connect into those two terminals on that battery, when we see the duties that God has for us today and tomorrow and how meaningful eternally they are, and then we look at our affliction and our suffering and our difficulty and our, and our exhaustion, and we say, whoa, I know which way the balance is tipping. You're going to start experiencing the Spirit recharging that battery of yours. Now, I want to be clear. I want to pause here for just a moment to say this. I'm not intending to say that you should artificially minimize the difficulties that you are experiencing in serving God. Paul didn't. Paul was the one who was saying here, we're persecuted. We're distressed. We're pressed on. This is not just kind of a, a grit your teeth, whistle a happy tune, and everything is fine. No, Paul was real about the difficulties that he was going through. I'm also not saying this. I'm also saying you shouldn't have, should avoid any kind of concern for your physical well-being or health or strength. God is a God who intentionally, when he created the world, rested on the seventh day. He's given us a pattern of rest, even in the pattern of our days. And he intends to give us this pattern of rest. It was Jesus himself who said to his disciples, let's come away into a desert place and rest a while. I'm not saying you should, you should ignore your physical or your bodily needs. That's not being a good steward of what God has given you. I'm not intending to say, go, 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 go at all times. I am saying this. If you're going to follow God's will and design for going, you're going to need to know how to recharge your battery. And to recharge your battery, you're going to have to have a fresh perspective on how meaningful your calling is and your duties are. And you're going to have to have a fresh perspective on how really eternally light your difficulties are right now. How eternally light your suffering and your inconvenience and your challenges in light of the weight of glory that is awaiting those who say, am I a soldier of the cross? A follower of the Lamb? Shall I, shall I fear to own his cause? Shall I blush to speak his name? That is the one who is seeing and savoring the eternal unseen things over the seen and temporal things. You see, friends, I can't tell you how critical this is for us in our daily lives, in your lives as married couples, in your life as families raising children, how exhausting that is for those of you who are in the middle of it right now. For those of you who are involved in ministry here at Straightgate, that is repetitive and over and over and over again every week and is exhausting. I, I know that. And you probably can tell that my, 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 um, uh, my priority in those things is not to be a motivational speaker. It's not, my, it's not been my job and it's not been my desire to be a rah, 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 pump them up, get them all out. Why? Because you can get charged up batteries that way for a little bit. And then what's going to happen? They're going to be drained again. 
that kind of, of perspective, I think, can be dangerous. Isn't it interesting, and maybe you've experienced it in churches that, that have evangelists come in once a year. I don't think there's any problem with having an evangelist come in once a year, but it seems like an evangelist comes in and gets everyone pumped up and gets their batteries charged up, and then two or three weeks later, people are saying, that was good while it lasted. You see, what are you going to need and what am I going to need? You're not going to need a motivational speaker. What you're going to need is you're going to need to understand how to get to get connected to the Spirit's battery power. You're going to need to understand how you in your daily life can be renewed day by day so that even if your outer man seems to be decaying and wasting away, you can say with the Apostle Paul, my inner man is being recharged. Remember that saying, you can't burn out what is renewed day by day. I want to close tonight with the experience and the testimony of a man named John G. Payton. John G. Payton was a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands, a group of islands in the South Pacific. And there may not be a missionary, at least one that we would popularly identify with, who experienced more of the crisis of suffering in his life than John G. Payton. John G. Payton came to the New Hebrides with a wife and a young child. Within about a year of being stationed there, he had lost both. And he continued on for four years in that post under great difficulty and under great threat of literally the, 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 the savages, the natives of his day. He tells of a time in which he was on the run for his life. There was an unreliable chief who was apparently his source of protection, and there was a band of natives that were literally swarming the island looking uh, potentially to end his life, and he was in fear of being killed. And John Payton testifies. He's, he, this was a man who lived in the late 1800s. He testified to climbing into a tree as others were pursuing him, perhaps to kill him. He said, I, this is what he says, I climbed into the tree and was left there alone in the bush. The hours I spent there live all before me as if it were but of yesterday. I heard the frequent discharge of muskets and the yells of the savages, yet I sat there among the branches as safe in the arms of Jesus. Never in all my sorrows did my Lord draw nearer to me and speak more soothingly to my soul than when the moonlight flickered among these chestnut leaves and the night air played on my throbbing brow as I told all my heart to Jesus, alone, yet not alone. If it be to glorify my God, I will not grudge to spend many nights alone in such a tree to feel again my Savior's spiritual presence, to enjoy his consoling fellowship. Light afflictions, for a moment, my outer man wasting away, yeah. If my inner man is being renewed day by day by my experience 
of my Savior's love and his care and concern and power in me. I'm not getting burned out. I'm not getting burned out. You can't burn out what is being renewed day by day.